Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So here in chapter um, 10 of Acts, there's a, such a historical beginning of the church. But it's more than that. It's the beginning of showing God's blessing in the new covenant. And so starting with verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called an Italian regiment. Okay, so number one, he was a centurion, which means that he was an officer in the Italian army, over a hundred people. That's what that means. So he was an officer, so he worked in the world. He had a secular job. He worked for his government. He was an officer for the Italian army. But here's some things about Carnelius, and, and, and let me tell you the end so you can understand why this is so important. Carnelius was the first Gentile to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Why is that so important? Well, most of us here in this room are here as a result of Carnelius. Most of us are Gentiles. There, some people have some Jewish roots in them, but most of us don't. And because of this one man, it changed the world. And some of the things that he did that set himself up for the blessing of the Lord. And so it says here in verse 2, he was a devout man, one who feared God with all his household and gave alms generously generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now, some scholars believe when it says he gave alms generously to the people, it wasn't just people, but it was the Jewish people. He had a heart for the Jewish people. And we know that Genesis chapter 12 tells us that God will bless those who bless the Jewish people or Abraham, and he'll curse those who curse the Jewish people. In other words, what it means to bless him, it means you invoke the blessing of the Lord when you choose to bless the Jewish people. And so most scholars, including myself, believe that he, he not only just gave alms, but he was also generous to the Jewish people. He prayed to God always, and in the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in, saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. What is a memorial? A memorial is something that we put up to remind us or put us in remembrance of what this person has accomplished. So you can go to Washington, D.C. You can see a memorial of George Washington. You can see a memorial of Abraham Lincoln. You know, uh, you can see other memorials. In other words, it reminds us of the great accomplishments that they made or attributes that they gave to our society. How cool would it be if there was a memorial before God to remind him of all the attributes that you brought to this world? You know, this is really astonishing when you think about it, that God is before him on a regular basis all the time thinking about Carnelius. And Carnelius was not a Jew. So as a result of what Carnelius did, did it got the attention of God. I don't know about you, but I like to get the attention of God. So what was it about Carnelius? Number one, it says he was devout. What does it mean to be devout? He was committed to the cause. 
In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith it's impossible to believe God, but we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently means to be consistent in seeking him. We look at Matthew 6, 33. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And Jesus, when he was asked, he said, when he was asked, what are the most important laws in the law? He said, there's two of them. Number one, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, if you'll do these two things, you will fulfill all of the laws and all the commandments that the prophets shared about what God wanted to do for the Jewish people. And so it's all about being consistent. You know, it's all about just doing it on a regular basis. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 says that, you know, we are not people who draw back. We are those who press in. Don't draw back. Don't lose confidence for there is a great recompense, recompense for your reward. In other words, God has something for you, but don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Keep on being consistent. Gloria Copeland said it like this. She said, the power lies in being consistent. You know, it's amazing what happens when you continue to do the same thing and you are faithful in doing the same thing, how God will reward you, especially in the kingdom of God. And I was reading a letter from Jerry Savelle the other day, and one of the things that he said that he likes to read about, you know, habits of successful people and one of the habits of successful people is that they make it a habit to do first the things they like to do least. That's important, okay? You know, how many of you like to exercise? Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know. Maybe by osmosis I'll get it because I have some exercise equipment in my basement. But I found out so far it's not working. So I'm going to have to go and exercise. You know, one of the things that's challenging for a lot of people that is reading the Word of God on a regular basis. It's not that I don't like reading the Word of God, but you know, you wake up and the first thing you think, well, I've got this, this, and this, and this, you know, and it's about prioritizing your time, seeking first the kingdom of God. So Cornelius, he was devoted, he was committed not only to the army, but he was committed to the things of God. He said, how do you know that? Because he says he prayed always. He gave alms. And not only that, but we'll see here in a minute that he and his whole household served God. And so we see something here about him, and that, that was that he was very devoted to the cause. Secondly, he gave alms. He was an almsgiver. Now, there's five types of way of giving. I don't think I remember all of them, but one, we give our tithes. Number two, we give offerings. There's first fruits of giving. There is sacrificial giving. And then there's alms. I guess I did remember all five of them. And there's, there's promises that come with those five different ways of giving. And that's why the Bible says that don't be you know, weary in well-doing, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. And I do believe that if you sow into someone else's car, God will bless you with a better car or help you with your vehicle. I believe in that. But I also believe as I sow my tithe, then the promise of tithe sowing will come upon me. If I sow an offering, a sacrificial offering, then the, the promise of a sacrificial offering will come upon me. If I give alms, 
then the promises of God's alms will come upon me. And one of the things that the book of Proverbs says is that when you give to the poor, you're lending to God and you get a reward with dividends. Now, you know, God never forgets what you do. Hello, moms. Though you may not always be appreciated, God never forgets what you do, that labor of love that you do. God never forgets an alm that you give. God never forgets a sacrificial gift that you give. God never forgets a tithe that you give. God never forgets a first fruit that you give. In fact, the Word of God says he watches over his word to perform it. So if he's watching over his word, he's trying to figure out how he can take what you've given and get it back to you multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, okay? So how many of you know your whole house getting saved is worth all the gold in the world? Amen. Huh? And so as a result of what he did, God opened up a door for he to be the first and his whole household to be saved, to become the first Christians, the first historically that we know of Christians. So he was devoted. One who feared God. What does that mean to fear God? Well, the real truth is the fear of God means to be in awe of God. You know, and you know, it, it's amazing that when you walk with God on a regular basis, how often you are awed by God. You know, when you begin to talk to God and pray to God, how, how awesome it is for God to speak back to you. It's like, man, his presence is here. You know, and there's nothing greater than, you know, the presence of God. I just love it when I sit down and, 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 I, and, and I can just, I just, I'm just in awe of God's presence when I just sit down and begin to pray or worship or just read the word. His presence is there. It's just so awesome to me and in awe of God. You know, in fact, the truth is that if we ever get into a place where we lose the awe of God, we begin to lose the fear of God. And I thank God for this church. You know, the Holy Ghost is here. We know that. We're open to what the Spirit of God is doing. But you know, if we ever leave church and, yeah, there was another prophecy. Yeah, there was another word of knowledge. Yeah, somebody got healed. You're losing the fear of God. We ought to be in awe of God every time it happens. Wow, look what God did. God was doing something. You know, was it Thursday night? A word of knowledge came, and Bill Smith, was that you? Was that Thursday night? You had a sonic pinched nerve or something, and I called out somebody being healed of back pain, and he got instantly healed. Wow, that is so cool. That sure it's better than going to the, you know, the doctor and getting a shot, you know? And uh, nothing wrong with going to doctors, but it, it sure feels a lot better when God heals you than when medical science heals you. Amen. And so, you know, we thank God. That's so awesome what God did, you know. But we shouldn't, you know, lose our awe of God when God does even some of the small things. Well, I had a little headache, but God healed me. Praise God for that. Right. Well, you know, I, I gave an offering, and I got somebody blessed me with $10. Praise God. Well, it wasn't $100. Well, hey, start somewhere. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, one of my confessions is I'm finding money, and I, I always pick up whatever I see on the ground if it's money. I don't care if it's a penny. You know, my wife gets a little upset with me because when I go through the drive-thru and I see all that money laying down there, I'm like, I want to stop and pick it up. Don't, 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 don't do that, you know. Why, you know? I, I want that money. I find, 
So the other day I found a quarter. Now that's the most I've found in a long time when it comes to change. I go, praise God, it's increasing. Amen. <laughs> it won't be long. I'll be picking up $5 bills, $10 bills, $20 bills, $100 bills, you know, because they're just going to be blowing my way. Amen. Amen. You know, but, you know, the more you're in awe of God, the more you're going to see God do things that will make you awe of him. Amen. So he feared God. He loved God. God was a part of his life and his whole household, his whole household. In other words, he was a witness to everyone in his household. And his household wasn't just his family. His household was his employees. His employees knew that he was a man of prayer, a man of faith, and he was devoted to his relationship with God. And so he gave alms generously uh, to the people, and he prayed to God always. I think when you, I see that when he prays to God always, I think of James 5.16, it says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, another that you may be healed. For the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Now that last part of the scripture is my favorite part, you know, because your prayers are so effective that they make all that heaven has available to you. Pastor, do you really believe that? Well, then why did Jesus tell us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in? Help me, somebody. He wants you to experience heaven. He wants you to have these things. And so obviously, Cornelius was praying in such a way that was so effective, it was just touching the heart of God. He prayed always. He was consistent in prayer. You know, and if you have a challenge with having a consistent prayer life, start with just a few minutes a day, you know, and just increase it a little more at a time. You know, just say, okay, for a week, I'm going to pray at least five minutes to God. And if you have a hard time praying, go and look at the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray in Luke 11, which says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Start there. You know, that's a perfect prayer. You can't pray any more perfect than praying that prayer. You know, unless you pray in the Holy Ghost. Yes, you're praying the perfect prayer then too. But you can't pray any more perfect than praying the, the Lord's Prayer. You know, and then start thinking about some of the segments of the Lord's Prayer. Man, he's my father. Wow. I have this relationship with him. You know, I like having friends and I like doing things with people. But I want to tell you something. I get to walk with a man who created the universe. I get to walk with a, with a God who called all the stars by name. I get to walk with a God who understands things that I don't understand. If I need to understand something, all I need to do is ask him. I want to tell you something. You know, God knows how to fix combustible engines. You shocked by that? You know, I used to help rebuild engines for friends and stuff like that, and I was stuck on this one engine. I couldn't figure out how to take, up, take off the manifold, and I kept on looking at it and thinking about it, and I prayed. I said, God, you know. And God said, look inside the manifold. That's where your last bolt is. Oh, there was a hole inside the manifold, you know, manufactured uh, uh, vent there. And sure enough, that's where that bolt was. God knew that. He knows how to fix combustible engines. You know, he's pretty smart. You know that? You know? And, uh, I mean, he, you know, he, he has all wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. You need to know more. Why is it important that you need more? When we look at Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus gave out the talents, he gave them out according to their what? Ability. Isn't that right? 
And ability comes from knowledge. And the more knowledge you get, the more ability that you have. And so if you want more knowledge and more ability, what do you need to do? Begin to fear God. Begin to pursue Him. He'll give you knowledge above any doctoral degree that you think you could get. He'll give you knowledge above anybody else. You know what's so amazing to me about Israel is that uh, one of the uh, ladies, I, I, I asked her husband this last week about this situation. But, you know, you know, God's blessing Israel. And they've got better medical treatments that we have here in the United States. And one of the times that I was over there, she was over there, too, and, and with a different tour. And she had a heart issue. And she had to go to the hospital in Israel. And she had, a, he, she had some type of procedure done on her heart. And when she came home, the heart doctors here said, we don't understand, but this is the best procedure we've ever, we've ever seen. And we don't use this procedure here in the United States, and it's much better than what we use. Isn't that awesome? Amen. One time I was there, you know, and we were going up to the Golden Heights, and I saw these beehives. And I told my buddy, I said, Israel's doing something with these beehives. I'm telling you, there's some type of military secret with these beehives. You know, I think he kind of rolled his eyes at me and said, yeah, whatever, you know. But anyway, so when I got home, I found out that a beekeeper here in America had learned how to train bees to smell out gunpowder. And Israel took that technology and started breeding these bees up in the Golan Heights, which is full of landmines. And so these bees go out to get pollen, and they'll go to a landmine first, and this is how Israel finds these landmines. How remarkable is that? Amen. Well, they fear God too. They may not fear God the same way we do, but they fear God too. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. So why wouldn't you want to fear God? You want to know more things? Ask God. Now, he may not tell you what your neighbor's up to. But he will tell you what your kids are up to. <laughs> Amen. He's a good God. And so this is what Carneus did. This is what he did. He feared God. He was devout. He prayed to God always. And look what happened about the ninth hour of the day. What was he doing? He was doing what he did daily. He was praying. And he wasn't expecting anything. You know, I don't know about you, but when I pray, I'm expecting things. You know, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I just know he is. You know, I don't know when God's going to do it, but I know he's going to. You know, there's things God wants to do for you and for me. But anyway, in the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming into him. And he said, Cornelius! Now, you know, that would shock me, you know, because usually, you know, I'm, I'm up between five and six every morning and, and uh, somewhere in between that time range, you know, um, and I get up and, and I get my coffee and I sit down and I just begin to worship God, you know. And if someone bolted into my den while I was there, Tom, it's like, whoa, what is that all about, you know. Even my wife gets up real quiet and gently. She doesn't startle me, but that would startle me, you know. And so here he is, he's startled by the voice of this angel who came and saw him. And when he observed him, he said, what is it, Lord? He said, your prayers and your alms have come up, before, uh, up for a memorial before God. He said, now I have an instruction for you. Send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. 
And this is where he is lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. And he will tell you what you must do. You ever need some instructions? How precise, more precise, can it get than this? You know, he's going, now Cornelius, you know what? You have some questions. God has more for you. So what I want you to do is I want you to send some men to Joppa. Now, Caesarea is about, oh, 15, 20 miles. Well, not even that far from Joppa, but not too far from Joppa. And so he, he called his men in and said, listen, God gave me an assignment. I need you to go to Joppa. I need you to find a guy named Simon, whose surname is Peter, who's staying with a tanner by the seaside. And they said, well, sure, you know, we'll just Google it. <laughs> there wasn't no Google. I mean, you can even let your fingers walk through the yellow pages, if you remember those commercials. Huh? So anyway, uh, no, they had to trust this man. They had to trust he heard from God, which is another sign and an indication of his devotion and his integrity. They trusted him. God said this, okay, go do this. Well, it was a little easier than what it seems like because all the tanners lived on the seaside because they used the salt water of the Mediterranean Sea to help tan the leathers and to take the fur and tan the leather. So all the tanners lived there. So they, need, they knew about where to go. So they went to Joppa, and I'm not sure how they did it, but maybe they knocked on a door and they said, we're looking for a tanner named Simon. The tanner's name was Simon too. You know, and so they said, well, the tanner, there's another tanner who lives down here. And so they knocked on a door. Hey, are you a tanner? Yes, I'm a tanner. Do you have a guy named here named Simon Peter? I, I sure do. Finally, they found the man. I sure do. But you know what? God is also preparing your blessing through somebody else. Hmm? You know, sometimes, well, well, God, you know, what are you doing? Well, sometimes, you know, God's working with somebody else to connect the blessing. Hello, somebody. Amen. And so God had to deal with Peter's heart. What if Peter would have said, you know what? <laughs> I'm not doing this, God. Get somebody else. God would have said, okay, I'll get somebody else. But he knew what Peter would do. And so Peter, he had this vision. And God dropped down some unclean animals in this vision, said, rise up and eat. And Peter's like, no, sir. God said, don't call unclean what I call clean. And God put it in Peter's heart to know what this vision meant. And so when they were, when he came out of the trance or out of the vision, there was a knock on the door and Peter knew exactly what it was. And this is what the Lord said. And I love this. <clears throat> this was done three times in verse 16. Now, verse 17, now, while Peter wondered with himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Carnelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Why do I bring that out? Because it says, behold, the men that Carnelius sent. But you know what? God spoke to Peter and said, these men that I'm sending, these men that I'm sending, you know, sometimes it takes the approval of a man to know that the hand of God is on somebody. Hello, somebody. Amen. You know, God sends people. There are those who have been sent and there are those who have went, you know. And, and usually the ones who went usually don't accomplish much or bring a lot of confusion. 
a good story of that is in the book of Acts when, you know, the, these group of men said, we want to go to Galatia, and they said, no, you're not ready to go to Galatia. They went anyway without the approval, not the, not the authority of the Jewish council at that time, or Jerusalem, excuse me, Jerusalem council at that particular time. And so when you go in the book of Galatians in, book, in chapter 3, Paul said, oh, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? <clears throat> Who began to teach you Jewish customs that you have to live according to the law in order to receive the grace of God? What well, was those men talked about in Acts 10? They went, they weren't sent. They went unprepared, you know. And so when God sends you, you know, when you're sent by an authorized, you know, uh, person, then God's hand is upon that. I don't know if I explained that very well, but I hope I did. And so anyway, verse 17 you know, who had been sent from Cornelius, had made inquiry of Simon's house, stood before the gate, and they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are sinking. Arise, therefore, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. God saying, I sent them. Well, I thought Cornelius did. Well, when you are obedient to the authority that God gives you, it's the same as God sending you. That's my point. Then Peter went down the, uh, to the men who had been sent to him from Carnius and said, Yes, I am who you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, now here's another indication, another description of Carnius' integrity. Carnius, the centurion, this is what they were saying about him. He's a just man. They knew this about him. He was a just man. He was one who fears God, and he has a good reputation among the nations of the Jews. In other words, he blessed the Jewish people. This is what empowered him to receive the blessing of God. He has a good reputation among the Jews, who was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house, and to hear words from you. So he invited them in. They lodged there on the next day. Peter went with them. And some brother from Joppa accompanied them. So on the following day, they entered in Caesarea. Now Cornelius was, look at this, waiting for them. He was expecting. God spoke to him. Now he's expecting. How many times do we lose our expectancy? What is expectancy? We just did a whole series on it. Hope. He was hoping. He was expecting. He was standing in faith that that which God told him was going to come to pass. That's what he was doing. And this is part of fearing God. You know, when you're fearing God, you're standing expecting that which God has spoken to you, the promises of God, to come to pass. Well, we shouldn't have to be too concerned about some of the promises that are in the Word of God. You know, first of all, the package of salvation has many benefits to it. The Bible says, as many as believed on, believe upon him shall be saved. That word saved comes from a Greek word called sozos, which means peace. It means deliverance. It means healing. It means to prosper. So that's the package of salvation. So do we need to ask God or begin to pray and ask God to heal us when he's already done it? Do we need to ask God to bless us when he wants to bless us? Do we need to ask God for something? No, we need to begin to pray and ask God to increase our expectancy to receive what he's already done for us. That's the key right there.
build up my expectancy. Well, how are you going to build up your expectancy? The same way you build up your expectancy with people. You know, you get to hanging around certain people and you know they're a person of the word, just like they said about Cornelius. We know he's a just man. He's a man of his word. We know this. We have been around him. Well, when you spend more time with somebody, you realize they're a man of their word or a woman of their word, you know, and they say they're going to do something, then you expect it to be done. Isn't that correct? Well, the more you hang around God, come on, somebody. The more you read his word, the more you're going to begin to expect what he says in his word to manifest in your life. Because he's watching over his word. He's, he's, he's going to and fro looking for someone that he can just pour his blessing out upon. I'm a candidate. How about you? Amen. I'm going to let God do that for me. So on the following day, they were, uh, Carneus was waiting for him. And he gathered, look at this, his relatives and close friends. This always reminds me of a testimony. When we first started the church, there were a whole bunch of Catholic people who helped us. And my dad was Catholic, and I worked for the Catholic nuns when I was younger. And actually, when I was called into the ministry, I thought about becoming a Catholic. You know, and I thought, well, I'm not sure I want to be a priest. I wasn't real sure about all the vows that they took and everything. So I, I didn't go that direction. But nevertheless, I, you know, had, I was familiar with the Catholics and their religion. And so anyway... It was a weekend that Vicky was with me, and we were staying at my parents' home still. We had just started the church. I mean, maybe three months old or something like that, you know. And so we got this phone call, and they said, one of our Catholic friends is in the hospital in Jefferson City. Would you come pray for her? So we did. We got up. We prayed for her, went in there, you know, and, and went to Jefferson City and, and laid hands on her, and she was unconscious. And we met a couple of people who had been helping us start the church here in Columbia. And so, well, we, we prayed, and we prayed a prayer of faith, and we turned it over to God. And I don't know if it was the next day, but she came out of her coma. The next day, she came out of her coma. Well, that was pretty incredible. Then the next week, she went back to the doctor, and the doctor said she didn't have any cancer anymore. That was pretty cool. Yeah, you know. So anyway, I get a phone call about a month later, and it was the lady. She said, hey, I've never met you. I'd like to meet the person who prayed for me. So would you come to my home, and, you know, my husband and I will be here? I said, sure. So when I went to their home, it wasn't just her husband and her children. It was her brothers and her sisters and her mom and dad. I mean, there was 20 or 30 people in this house, you know. Well, you know, as we were rejoicing over what God did, they asked me just to share a little bit, so I did. And a word of knowledge came upon me. Now, I'm emphasizing this because, you know, we have some great teaching on the gifts on Thursday night going on here. And this is an advertisement. My wife probably is the best teacher of flowing in the Holy Ghost that I know. And if you want to know how to flow in the Holy Ghost and flow in the gifts, you need to be out here on Thursday night and hear this teaching. And if you can't, be sure to get online and get that recording. She is the best teacher of flowing in the Holy Ghost and how to flow in the gifts. But, you know, I was flowing in gifts, word of knowledge, and I looked. And, and uh, you know, I mean, you know me. I mean, I didn't know anything, but I know God. And uh, so I looked at this lady. I said, well, you know, I see that you're holding a baby a year from now. Just tears, crying, you know. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what I say, you know. 
And so they told me later on that they had been believing to have a child. And they couldn't have a child. And a month later, she called me up and she was pregnant. And so, you know, one act of obedience leads to another act of obedience to another act of obedience. You know, and so for two years, they wanted me to teach them, you know, the Bible. So I went to Lynn once a week and taught all these Catholics. And they told me, they said, Father Tom, we're not going to leave the Catholic Church (laughs) and join your church. We just want you to teach us the Bible. Is that okay, Father Tom? I said, sure. Why don't I just become Catholic then, you know? But anyway. So that went on for about two years. We just, and many times, you know, we, we had more people in this Bible study at Lynn. In fact, I had one Pentecostal man say, what would, he, what would you uh, charge us? <laughs> he said, I'll pay you to come here and start a church. Yeah, I said, no, I'm called to Columbia. But anyway, but uh, no, God was just so gloriously moved. But just like Carnelius, what, what were they doing? Because God did something. They brought their whole family. You know, your family needs to know what God's doing in your life. That's what makes you a world shaker in history. You don't need to back off. You don't need to give up. You know, sometimes we'll talk about revival, you know, and I'll see people's eyes light up, and I'll see a hunger on the inside of them, and I'll see a desire of them wanting to go after God even in a greater way. But then there'll be those other people who roll their eyes and look at me and say, Dear God, I don't want to be in church where people are rolling around. I don't want to be one of those holy rollers. I don't want to people fall down when someone gets prayed for. Well, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of how that works. I just go with what God's doing. But you know what? I look at the fruit more than I look at the manifestation of what people are doing. Let me help you for those who struggle with that. Because sometimes I struggle with it. You know, but people react differently to the presence of God. So, you know, if you went over and, and uh, were changing out a receptacle and someone forgot to turn the circuit breaker off, okay, and uh, you touched it, it would shock you. I don't know how you would react, okay? But I know how I reacted the last time I got shocked because I've changed a few without turning off the circuit breaker. Not smart. If you're really good, you can do it without getting shocked. I don't recommend it, but I'm pretty good most of the time. But I've been shocked enough. So when I get shocked, it's like, oh, doggone it. Maybe I ought to go ahead and turn off the circuit breaker. <laughs> but if you touched it, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, you'd be like the three stooges wrapped up in one, you know? What are they doing? You're reacting to the power. What are people doing when they're running? When they're when they're they're just they're just reacting to the presence of God. You know, the power of God. And it's so awesome to be in the presence of God like that. And so we need to be careful how we judge other people when God's presence is here. I've seen people in the presence of God like this. And walk away totally changed by the power of God. And you think, they're not getting nothing out of this. Look at them. No, God's downloading something into their spirit. Yeah, I've seen people, whoa, praise the Lord, I'm getting it. You know, they get a download from God. You know, and we all react differently to the presence of God. 
So don't judge it because I'm telling you, we're going to have some of those manifestations in a greater way here like we've never had. And what was so remarkable is that when we had that six weeks revival, thousands came to the Lord, not just a few. So how do you know? Because I was the altar call worker. I'm the one who went back and shared with them what it meant to be born again and led them into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I must have led thousands of people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. It was so awesome. You know, and so Cornelius, he was waiting on God. They didn't know what to wait for. They didn't know what to expect. And so what happened to them? And so it says right here in verse 34, Peter opened his mouth. He said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And it says here in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word, and those of circumcision, which means Greek, the Gentiles, who believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Ghost had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered and said, Can anybody forbid these from being baptized in water? Which is another point for those who are theologians. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit without being baptized in water. That's another story for another day. But look what God did because somebody said, you know what? I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to make a commitment. You know, your commitment doesn't have to be like my commitment. But if you'll start today and make a commitment towards God, I can promise you by this time next year, you won't be the same person and your life won't be the same because he is a God of possibilities. He can do all things for those who believe. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.